Hello! Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. We try to cover a variety of topics from the White House and Congress to international headlines and climate change, and I always try to throw in some side story that doesn't quite fit into any of those categories. As always, a link to all my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. On Tuesday, Trump announced that he is pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal and intends to reinstate the sanctions against Iran that were lifted at the deal's signing. To put it as briefly as possible, the deal essentially halted Iran's ability to build a nuclear weapon by banning or severely limiting their ability to refine the resources needed to create one. In exchange, the crippling sanctions that had been placed on the country were lifted. Trump has called the deal one-sided since the 2016 presidential campaign and has repeatedly claimed that Iran isn't holding up its end of the bargain. However, world leaders, independent monitors sent to inspect Iran, and even most of Trump's own aides disagree with his assessment. All reports indicate that Iran has followed its instructions to the letter. Despite those reports, a flurry of amendments were proposed to try to appease Trump and get him to stay in the deal, but sources in the White House reported that his mind was made up weeks ago. It's unclear what will happen now. Everyone else involved in the deal is staying in it, and many of the US's European allies have urged Iran to quote, show restraint in responding to Trump's decision. But with the deal off and sanctions going back into place, those European allies and a few other countries, including Russia and China, will have 180 days to wind down their business with Iran before they feel the heat of the US sanctions as well, which could lead to worldwide tension. One immediate outcome is that Iran and Israel have been firing rockets at each other the last couple of days, which is not uncommon, but tensions have definitely escalated since Trump's announcement. Congress, meanwhile, is officially thinking about midterm elections. On Tuesday night, a bunch of primaries were held around the country, and more will be coming throughout the spring and summer. GOP leadership is generally pleased with the winners of the Republican primaries thus far. There was some concern that outsiders running on a Steve Bannon-style platform of roughing up the party norms were going to win primaries and either fail to win over the independent voters, or perhaps worse, win and force the GOP leadership to wrangle an even more fractured caucus to push forward their agenda. But Tuesday night at least, the winning candidates in GOP primaries were people that the leadership is fairly pleased to embrace. News came out this week that healthcare premiums are set to spike in October, exactly one month before general elections. Analysts and insurance providers seem in more or less unanimous agreement that the severity of the spikes is due almost entirely to Trump and congressional Republicans threatening to blow the system up, causing the market to destabilize. Insurance providers like UPMC said a rise was inevitable for 2018, but it was supposed to be in the single digits, around 8%. With the future of the ACA in question, premium increases are expected to be as high as 40 or 50%. But you know, like most things, it will likely come down to spin. On the one hand, Obamacare is obviously considered a democratic program, so Republicans will point at the spike and say it's proof that the program was never really working at all. Democrats will point to the market's relative stability before Republicans voted last year to repeal key portions of the policy, including the individual mandate. Trump, for his part, has not been shy about his desire to sabotage the ACA in such a way that it will self-destruct. In any case, keep an eye out for those questions in October. Whatever the hot-button issues are before then, that will almost certainly become the centerpiece of midterm races in the month leading up to general elections. National Headlines 
Boy Scouts of America will be changing the name of their Boy Scouts program next year. Now it will be called Scouts BSA, and the Scouts will allow girls to join. The move is a break from the Scouts' century-old policy of boys-only admittance. In the past several years, Boy Scouts of America has made an active effort to become more inclusive. In 2013, they repealed an organization policy banning gay members. In 2015, they officially allowed gay scout leaders. And in 2017, they officially began accepting trans members. Kilauea, a large volcano in Hawaii, erupted last week, resulting in the evacuation of 2,000 residents. At this point, over three dozen homes have already been consumed by the oozing lava, and toxic gas called VOG, short for volcanic fog, is causing no shortage of health risks beyond the lava itself. Scientists do not know how long this eruption will last, and seemingly shot-in-the-dark estimates range from days to years. International Headlines North Korea released three American detainees this week, one of the prerequisite conditions set by the U.S. government for the much-anticipated summit between the two countries. Their release marks the first really concrete gesture of good faith from Kim Jong-un. He has also announced that North Korea will cease all long-range nuclear testing and shut down its nuclear sites, but many are skeptical about the permanence of that move. Releasing prisoners was the first irrevocable move towards peace. Trump also announced via Twitter that a date and place have been picked for the summit, though he did not announce what they are. Analysts seem torn on how Trump's decision on the Iran nuclear deal will affect conversation at the summit. Sources close to Trump say he seems convinced that taking a hardline stance against Iran will strengthen his position in the conversation with North Korea, but many are concerned that it implies an inability to trust the U.S. to maintain its commitments. Climate Watch. The California Energy Commission voted yesterday to require new homes built after 2020 to include solar panels. It's the first statewide mandate of its kind, and while it will increase the costs of homes slightly, resulting in approximately a $40 per month increase in mortgage payments, it is also expected to decrease the energy costs of said homes by about $80 per month, resulting in a net savings. Before being enacted, the measure will still need final approval from the state's Building Standards Commission later this year. Zooming out, as we must inevitably do when discussing climate change, the end result looks quite similar on a global basis. According to the Comprehensive Climate Change Guidebook Drawdown, standardizing rooftop solar worldwide would cost roughly $450 billion, but result in $3.5 trillion in net savings. Whenever we discuss an idea for a policy that addresses climate change, there are three questions we need to consider. How much money does it cost? How much money does it save? And how much does it actually help? Sometimes you see an idea that doesn't cost much and saves a bit, but it doesn't help much. A good example of this would be promoting the use of electric bikes for short travel instead of cars. Other times, you see an idea that helps and saves a lot, but requires a ton of upfront cost, making it a potentially difficult idea to sell to the public. Rooftop solar is a good example of that. Ultimately, we'll save money by standardizing rooftop solar, but the upfront costs are not insignificant, and economic short-sightedness is tough to avoid. But the real kickers are the ideas that cost less than our current system, save tons of money, and help a great deal. And friends, there are ideas like that out there. For instance, solar farms. Per watt of electricity produced, it is both cheaper and faster to build a solar farm than build a coal, nuclear, or natural gas plant. So we save money right up front. 
Additionally, if solar farms became the new energy standard, we would end up saving about $5 trillion by the end of 2030 just in utility costs. And of course, the 36.9 gigatons of CO2 removed from the atmosphere wouldn't be so bad either. Solar energy is on the rise, at a rate that has exceeded even the most aggressive expectations, and the cost of manufacturing solar equipment continues to drop, making it more accessible to a larger market. The only thing that stands in the way of this cheaper, faster, sustainable industry is, as far as I can tell, well, big oil, and the coal industry, and Scott Pruitt, and Donald Trump. Side story. In the very first episode of this podcast, our side story was a breakdown of how the British royal family makes money. What we didn't talk about is how much money there is to be made from selling royal family memorabilia. An auction house in California is holding an auction in June and plans to sell to the highest bidder five slices of cake from royal family weddings. Reportedly, these include a 45-year-old slice from the 1973 wedding of Princess Anne and Captain Mark Phillips, a 37-year-old slice from Princess Diana's wedding, and a 7-year-old sliver of fruitcake from William and Kate's 2011 wedding. While some of you may be suddenly remembering the old fruitcake from the Christmas party at Aunt Margaret's house back in 1997, stashed and forgotten in the back of your freezer for decades, and reasonably thinking to yourselves, as long as I must have an old fruitcake in my freezer, it might as well be royal. Don't get too excited. These cake slices are expected to sell for about $1,000 each. The auction house has affectionately dubbed the collection a royal flush of wedding cakes. One last thing, if you haven't seen the new music video from Childish Gambino for his song This Is America, you should go check it out. It is a remarkably well-produced video, packed with symbolism and powerful imagery to present a stark and poignant look at the current climate in America. As Aida Amawako beautifully put it in an article for The Atlantic, the video, quote, delivers a powerful indictment of the unsettling contradictions in American society. It's well worth your time, friends. I should toss out this trigger warning though, the video depicts gun violence, racial violence, and implied drug use. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining member. You'll get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, and rewards start at just a dollar a month, ranging from a personal thank you on the show, all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in Focus episode on the topic of your choice. So if you've got even just 12 extra dollars this whole year, that's a dollar per month, about 25 cents per episode, consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash Dylan Wall. You can find that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post breaking news and interesting articles so you can stay informed between episodes. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or have a compelling story for why your 20-year-old sliver of fruitcake is worth $1,000 at auction, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.